0: I really believe that we are at a precipice or at the edge of possessing the promises of God. Some of you have heard some amazing promises that God had given you through His Word and yes, confirmed through prophecy. And you really believe it, you've written it down, you've been declaring and believing in God for it and you haven't seen anything yet. I want you to pay attention to what I have to say in the next 30 minutes. And if we can't finish it this week, I don't think we can. We'll do it in part two, part three, whatever. But you got to pay attention to this because God is about to release. Actually, let me make the correction. God has released the promises to you. Many of you have not been able to possess the promise. Or the promises. And I'm going to show you how that you as you enter into the season of promise, season of possession you can realize what had been promised to you. And so many of us had actually been standing at the precipice of possession of the promises of God, and yet we haven't even, we haven't been able to do it. You, you, you have been, you've been ahead of us. You, you, you've been at the river of Jordan, Jordan River, the river of Jordan, just standing there, overlooking. In fact, seeing some other people taking possession of the promises of God, and yet, you are standing there and say, why is it not my turn yet? Where are you, God, for the promises that you have given me? Now, we're talking about possession of the promises of God this morning. So I ask you to pay some attention and I promise you, I'll try to be short. But, you know, if we can't finish it this week, we're going to do it next week. Now, the first thing I need to say is this. The promises of God doesn't come or do not come falling down from heaven. Say, for example, if God had promised you a husband or a wife, the husband and wife is not going to fall off from heaven. Do you understand what I'm saying? And some, yet some of us are waiting, if you have been waiting for a spouse, you're waiting for somebody bold enough to come in front of you and say, "Here I am." your promise well that is not gonna happen you can wait for a long time brother or sister each promises confirmed by the Word of God is promise that you must take possession of every promise that God had given you won't be coming down from heaven Yes, while God will create miracles for you as you take a hold or take possession of those promises, you must still take possession of the promises nonetheless. There is a decision and an action on your part. And you learn this. Every possession, every possession will require that you obey God and that you walk in faith. And listen, every possession will involve battle or battles. But you know, what you win in battle, I want you to listen to this very carefully. What you win in battles... What you take possession of in battles, in the battles that you are engaged in, not being passive, but engaged in, what you win in battles belongs to you forever. That's number one. Number two is that it becomes the inheritance to your children. 50% of people understand. I'm going to repeat that. What you win in battles, what you take possession of in battles, if you go to battles, you ever gone to battles? What you take possession of, what you win in battles belongs to you, number one. And number two, it becomes inheritance for your children and yeah, even the, your children's children to the fourth generation. And it is very scriptural. So we don't win just for ourselves. We win for our next generation that will be coming after us, whether it's spiritual sons and daughters or whether it's your physical sons and daughters. I want you to turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. You know, while you're turning to it, we see a lot of people um, um, start off life very lucky, if you can, I can use that word. They're born in a rich family. And so, they are at a very, they start off at a very lofty level. Now, many of them just tumble down and just fail enough, whatever, because they're too much money or whatever. But you know, they, 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 they are there at a very lofty, they start off in their life at a very lofty position. And because they were at the lofty position, they were able to go much further. Many of the great, the prime ministers of our country or, um, uh, you know, great politicians that you know of, they have been given a very good start. Then they can go to a very good school and then they can become like the very whatever. They were able to build on that lofty level where the parents have left them. Many of us have to start from not very lofty level. Some of us has started from nothing. And because we have to work our way up, but bless God, as you begin to take possessions in your life, win and conquer territories, you're conquering not just for you, but for the next generation and the generation to come. And spiritually speaking, I thank God I was born in a Christian home and that some of the Battles that my mom who's sitting here had faced, I don't have to face anymore. Are you listening to this? Some of the battles that I faced, I don't have to face anymore. She used to be persecuted by her parents when she became a Christian. Bless God, I don't need to be persecuted anymore. I start up at a higher level because of the price that she paid. Some of you have to pay some prices, but the prices you pay is only for you, but for the generations to come. So pay the price. Hallelujah. Pay the price for them. Oh, they need you to pay the price for them. And I know you're willing to do that. So now we're going to talk about how we're going to take possession of the promises that God has given to all of us, each and every one of you. In your heart, you have been given the promises of God. And you haven't been able to take a hold of that. And you wonder why. I'm going to show you how you do it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel." The first step that you need to take possession of the land is you need to leave behind the past, both good and bad. God says to Joshua, Moses is dead. Everybody, repeat after me Moses is dead. Come on, say it again. Moses is dead. What does that mean? We need to leave behind. Those good old days, whether they're a good or bad battle, we need to leave them behind. We need to leave behind the familiar. Joshua was very familiar under the leadership of Moses. It was very comforting because the box stops with Moses. So he doesn't, he doesn't have to carry that burden. But there's a new season coming. Some of you, God wants you to be the Joshua of your generation. But you're still trying to depend on Moses that you've submitted to. And you're very comfortable under his leadership. And that he had taught you and, and or she had taught you. But some of you, God is saying a new season is coming away. Those were good days when you were with Moses. Those were great days when you were in Moses. You see a lot of great things that God had done through you. Oh, the miracles, signs and wonders and you're able to see God face to face and, and you know just, just experience those amazing things and look on as an observer. Now God says, I don't want you to observe anymore. I want you to experience it yourself. But to do that, you need to know Moses is dead. In other words, the past generation, however it. It was. They won a lot of battles. They won a lot of battles coming to the point where they were at. They have defeated many enemies coming to the point they had. But they haven't received the possession yet. But however the great they were, God says, forget about it. Forget about it. Don't be content with just the victories you had yesterday or the victories you're having today. Show sure, you have great progress. They had great progress from slavery to where they were at. They have gone through many battles from those who resisted them up to this point. But God is saying to Moses, don't stop mourning. Stop missing your past. Stop resting in your laurels. Something bigger and better. Moses is dead. He's dead. What you have enjoyed as great victories are good memories, but they're just that. Memories. Don't try to recreate your memories. Don't mourn for what was now finished. However, however great they were, don't mourn for them. Just move on. I want to tell you an experience. Many of you know that I came to this country when I was 13, right, I'm 13 years old, 12, somewhere around that. 36 years ago, go figure. I'm 25. so i remember when i first came to this country um i came from a church my parents church i was you know we live in the parsonage and um so um whoever comes to church becomes my buddy and we we hang out together it was great and at the end of the year um all the young people because school would end they would hang out at church all day long, seven days a week. And I have buddies to play with all day long, seven days a week. Wasn't that fantastic? So I was very close to the the young people in the church. We hang out all the time. I love it. I enjoy it. And uh, we go, we, you know, we we'll go to eat together. That's the most important thing, right? You eat together, even though I didn't have money, money, I beg and steal, whatever so that I can go eat together with them, you know. I literally did steal. I stole from my sister's piggy bank. She didn't even realize that until she went to college. It's like, what happened to my piggy bank? I was closing my eyes, pretend I didn't see anything. And because, c- you know, she had this plan, not a good plan. She had this plan that she would break her piggy bank right before she takes off in the plane. And so she had to go catch a plane, right, confession time. Debbie's sitting there, oh, is that what happened, eh? So, so <laughs> I think she knew that already. I think you know that already. If you don't know, forgive me. So anyways, I, I, you know, anyways, I don't know why I got there. But anyway, so I loved and I enjoyed the company of the young people. Yeah, she broke the piggy bank and then she's like, she wanted to inquire. And my mom said, no, no we got to catch the fly, man. Let's go, let's go. I was like, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Shuck. But anyways i love hanging out with the young people back then you know and and uh, and then i came to this very cold country more ways than you know it was cold in terms of weather but i went to churches i went to a church we were attending a church and first in calgary and then and then we got moved to ontario by by the denomination that my parents were, were part of and and so in calgary uh, we, you know we we i went to church and, and people were very sincere very nice But you know, the the, the kind of relationship was not, they were not very deep. I don't know if you understand what I mean. People are super nice. But in terms of the depth of relationship, it wasn't there. And I always missed that. So in my mind, I would tell people, and in fact, I would tell God, God, if you let me lead a church one day, I want to recreate what my mom and dad had. And I prayed it for a long time until the Holy Spirit showed me what was good, you can never recreate. If you keep looking backwards, you cannot move forward. So many of us immigrants, you know, most people, they say in Toronto, we immigrated from other provinces, other, other cities, and other nations. And oftentimes, we look back to how great it was back home. We loved the food there, and consequently, we we, we I, I was I was it's a couple of contractors working at church here, and and um, they they were Hispanic and they and uh, so they um, so they didn't know how to speak English pr- uh, well, and but we had an opportunity, you know, I had Pastor marlis here working in this church. It's great because I was like, Pastor Mar-Liz, come help me translate, you know. And they were just cleaning the, the, some of the stuff in the, in the church. And, and uh, so I get a chance to share with them. And, and they said, you know, we, we, we like to stay with where we are. We like to stay with, you know, because it's familiar and it's like back home. And I said this to them, then you're limiting your future in this country. You know, I'm very opinionated, right? So contractor come, I still give them my opinion. I said, you know, you need to learn how to just, just, just cross your cultural barrier and embrace all the cultures in the city then opportunities will be wide open for you and I said that's why don't go to the Spanish church man come here you know (laughs) it's funny because a few weeks ago there was this huge uh, Hispanic um, uh, ministerial meetings um, that I was told and uh, there was this really amazing pastor called Samuel Rodriguez from California, I believe, came and, and was speaking to all the uh, Spanish pastors. And, and one of his themes was, don't stay in your community. Don't make your church as one race, one culture community. God has enabled you and has empowered you to reach a lot more than just your culture, a lot more than just your familiar, a lot more than just you're comfortable with. But you need to take a step of faith to turn away from the past and press towards the future. However great it was. You know, our memory always tells us something a lot better than we, it was, you know, we always remember things better than it was. We love the familiar. We like to stay with the familiar. We keep looking back. I'll tell you this. For businesses, they always need to always press forward. If businesses don't change and press forward and stay in their success or keep looking back in their success, they will become obsolete very quickly. Some of you heard the story that I, when I graduated from university, I was hired by the second largest computer company in the world, Digital Equipment Corporation, DEC. DEC. And I was told by the human resources manager that if if you take this job, you're set for life. Of course I want to be set for life. I said, yay, man, give me the job. I want to tell you this. Within five years... After I graduated from university, well, within six months, they laid me off because business was not good. Within five years, they disappeared. Compaq bought them out, and Compaq disappeared because Hewlett Packard bought them out, you know, if you know the history of the high-tech industry. Why? I remember sitting in training. They were talking about how great business had been in the past 20 years. They're just talking about that. And then people will raise hands. Some of the young guys like me, you know, just finished university. What about this thing going on? What about this new thing going on? Don't worry about them. They just flash in the pants. They won't last. Our company has stayed in the business for so long, and it will stay in the business forever. Just trust us. And guess what? It didn't work. You know about Sears? In Canada, went bankrupt. And Sears, United States, just been bankrupt. One of the things that the former chairman said when he was interviewed is that it was very difficult for us to maneuver as a company from away from our old practices. There used to be a catalog company. It was great. They were doing fantastic. How many of you remember Kmart? You know, all those great, great, amazing companies that that were champions in the industries went to oblivion just because they don't know how to move on. You and I need to learn how to move past our past successes, however great they were. Now, not only want to leave behind the good things, we have to leave behind the bad things also. Many of us are still living in guilt and condemnation of all that had happened in the past. There are some of you that you've been divorced for a while, but you still feel guilty. I want to tell you that God had forgiven your sin. Move on. Don't hold on to your past. Come on, let's praise the Lord. You, you, you know, in your past does not determine your future. I want to say it again. Your past... Failures cannot inhibit your future success. It cannot unless you let it. Your past mistakes, your past decisions that you now know is bad. All oh, that in the past, you must not dwell in it anymore because God had given you His grace to move on. So move on in Jesus' name. I want to encourage you. If I have to repeat myself a thousand times, I will do it until you understand that the grace of God is more su- is sufficient for you because where there's sin, grace is much more bound. And so you need to you don't dwell in your past. You know, one reason why people like to on the past is so familiar, I say that. You know, if you're in my shoes, you've probably seen of uh, counsel a lot of abusive relationship or seen a lot of abusive relationship. We have somebody here working those in that, in that, in that, I call it, not industry, that sector. Thank you. A lot of times those women who had been abused, they will go back to their former spouse Why? Because I tell you this, they are more fearful of the unfamiliar than the pain that they endure. Many of us are very fearful of the unfamiliar. Here Joshua was standing at the precipice of great success, but there will be people of his past generation, has stood where he stood. But they went back with tails between their legs, ran back to the desert. Why? Because they were afraid of the unfamiliar. They were afraid to go to the place and conquer new territories because of the unfamiliar. I want to encourage you, do not be afraid of the unfamiliar. And by the way, unfamiliarity is not evil. We Christians, you know, I grew up in church, you know, pastor's son, PK, and then he became a pastor all this time, you know. I'll tell you, it's so funny because it's just a, it's a constant pattern. If you step back and look, it's just a constant pattern in the church. Every time when a new move of God comes in that is so unfamiliar with us, with our, with our denomination, with our standard practice and so forth, we call it the devil. We demonize what is unfamiliar. You're so quiet this morning. Now, I will always hold on to the Word of God, preach the Word of God. I will not reinterpret the Word of God. I will not, I will not compromise the Word of God. The Word of God is true. It's yes and amen. Can I have an agreement? Yes. But a lot of our practices are not really the Word of God. Well, I'll tell you this. Standing here, speaking to you, you sitting there in the theater style, I'm standing here, you can't find it in the Bible. You're not listening. (laughs) Video coming, shooting at me, lights, you know. Where is that in the Bible? Oh, let's not get to the smoke and the lights, right? (laughs) I know some of you are thinking that. But don't demonize the unfamiliar because the practice is different. I'm talking about practice. I'm not talking about the Word of God. Are you here this morning? You and I need to be so open-minded to what God could do. I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. Leave behind the past, good and bad. So Paul the apostle is at the end of his life. He's in prison. He preached the whole world. He preached the whole world. He is he he was he was raised by Gamaliel. one of the greatest scholar, Jewish scholars of his time. That would, the Bible say in Acts they revere Gamaliel because one time you know the, the Pharisees they had they were in a council, they would they figure out how to destroy this new follower of Jesus. And they were making all kinds of plans. And Gamaliel stood up and said, Hey, you have seen this in the past, and you know. If they're of God, if they're not of God, they will die off. But if they are God, you may be finding yourself fighting God. And the Bible says the council back off. And it shows you that Gamaliel was not just an acad- academia, but he was very influential and powerful. And Paul was educated by this guy. He's like having an opportunity to sit on the feet of some really famous, influential, influencing people. Paul was well educated, and in terms of his Christian ministry, he established more churches than all disciples put together. And in other scripture, he said he counted them all dunk. In some culture, they call it mud dunk but this is what it says brothers now he's talking about being perfect in christ okay he said brothers i do not consider that i have made it on my own but one thing one thing everybody say one thing thing. all you have to do is remember one thing with all the experiences they have with all the expertise all the education there's only one thing he does some translation this translation would say he would say this one thing i know one thing you don't be all complicated and sophisticated when you become a believer just need to know one thing let's read it together forgetting what lies behind straining you know what straining means Why? Because it's hard to go forward. I understand that. God understands that. It's hard to leave the familiar. It's hard to leave what we know and comfortable. We are very comfortable, Pastor Paul. Why do you have to change the environment? It was just so nice in the good old days when we just sang "Jesus as it was great. I am we thou. Oh, it's, it's so anointed. Why do you have to sing all this new song? I'm not familiar with it. I don't even know how to follow those tunes. Why do you have to change? It's hard to press towards the mark. It's hard to. It's it's a it's a just to go forward in everything we do. It's hard. Go back, go back, go back. 13. Straining forward, what lies ahead? Just FYI. I am not too crazy about some of the songs they sing. <laughs> I mean, God bless them, right? The younger people like it, whatever, right? I'm not too crazy, but it's not about me, is it? I remember I was moaning with, uh, bemoaning about the fact that, you know, our church, you know, I I was like, I just don't understand some of the song they sing. Like it was, what is this? There's no tune to it, you know. uh, uh." Like the old days, dancing is Oh, Wow, that was so great and grandeur. and these days they sing like Bono singing you know it's like I I don't get that but it's not about so I was telling this pastor and he said to me it's not about you man if God uses those music to touch so many lives in the millions who are you to stand in the way leave your familiar and go forward so in my own devotion time, I just do hymns. You ask my, ask my wife and my children. I twenty four hours play those old hymns. You know. He touched me, Oh, tears coming down. He oh, touched me, oh Jesus. But you play to my children. You know, they're like, yeah. But I thought that was an anointing of God. You see. I remember um, this is a good example I don't think she's gonna be mad you know I was I can't remember the song that um, oh there's a song called ocean how many of you know ocean see they go woo like what 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 is it to woo about for me it's like whatever right I never get how why ocean is so fantastic I listen to it I go listen to it again okay God I'm gonna be open-minded I'm just gonna listen with that open mind nah it's not hitting me right and yet it touches my daughter. She was able to worship with it, and she loved the song. It speaks to her. So I had to say to this old man, Move on, buddy. Come on, man. And some of you are young, let me tell you this: you'll become old one day, and you need to be open-minded to move on from ocean. Come on.